Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have very exciting guests with me, Darshana Avila, and we're going to be talking about accessing personal power through sexuality. Darshana shares her passion as a somatic sex and intimacy coach and educator with a tantric twist. With a signature blend of wisdom, compassion, and groundedness, she guides people toward the awakening of their ecstatic potential. A self-confessed intimacy junkie, tireless student of the infinite nuances of relationship, and skillful facilitator, Darshana delights in initiating others to the way of presence, pleasure, and passion as the path to deep fulfillment. Darshana, welcome to our show today. I'm really excited to have you. Thank you, Tatiana. I'm delighted to be here. So we're going to start off with our signature question. I love to ask people this question, and I'm so curious to hear your answer. Darshana, what are your superpowers? (laughs) I've been giving some thought to that, knowing we were going to be speaking today. Um, And... I know that a lot of people who know me and who work with me would say certainly one of my superpowers is touch. And I agree with that, but there's more behind it that I think is kind of getting to the essence. And I think it's embodied presence. It's really like the capacity that I've cultivated over time to stand fully in my own self when with another and and meet them from that place of like, here's my whole being, heart, mind, body, soul, and it's with you and at your disposal. And that helps me do what I do professionally and really makes for a lot of richness in my personal life. And I think that's a big superpower. Totally. Totally. I think that's one of the biggest superpowers. Um, So let's talk a little bit about your professional work. How did you come into this line of work? You know, this is not, this is not a, an everyday run of the mill kind of career. No, it is not. (laughs) And I I took a bit of a circuitous path to get here. Um, There's a thread of my origin story really that has always been very tied into the exploration of sexuality and eroticism. It's something that my father recognized in me as a tiny infant. He had a gestalt experience of kind of who I would be in the world. And so I've known that there was a piece of me that orients around these realms from a very, very young age. And at the same time, I'm the product of the predominant cultural conditioning that many of us are, are living in. And I lived a fairly mainstream life um, in so much as developing a corporate career. And um, I married someone who I loved very much, but it wasn't necessarily the most deeply satisfying sexual relationship of my life. And that said, there was always this spark in me that had a lot of curiosity about and openness toward the realms of eroticism that are available for us to explore people used to always ask me questions about sex. My friends would confide in me or ask for advice. And I always felt really comfortable speaking of it. And after my marriage ended and I began dating again and having different sexual encounters, 
that was running concurrent to a lot of big spiritual explorations for myself, I just realized there's so much there to explore and to embody. And so I set off on a path of doing exactly that. I didn't know at the time that it was going to turn into my career. That was several years down the the line, but it's where I've ended up. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's been quite a fascinating and wild ride. Would you say your favorite part of this journey is or has been continues to be for you? Mm. What I'm really loving at this moment when I kind of do the looking back at it all and taking stock is the way that sexuality is simultaneously being demystified for me and for those that I'm relating with, but also as that's happening, it's accessing more of the mystical and magical quality of it. So simultaneously, like making it more accessible is, is allowing me to access and to share with others just how potent and magical it is. So there's kind of this, on the surface, it seems like a dichotomy or a polarity, but in actuality, like by stripping away all, all the, the kind of shiny, overtly esoteric or far out there ideas and notions that we have about sex, um, getting in touch with the essence of the potency that it really is. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the deeper, the deeper you go, the deeper you go. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then a lot of that ties in just again, like to speak to the the cultural container that I grew up in and, and many of the people that I serve are a product of, it's stripping away shame and navigating the trauma that blocks us from really fully embracing our eroticism. And so cultivating more skill to, to do exactly that is, is my deep joy. So let's talk about that. Like who, who are your typical clients? Um, how do people come to you and, and what kind of, like, if we go into a little bit more detail, what's, what's more of the work that you do with them? I mean, our topic today is accessing personal power through sexuality and right. how, how is there a relationship there? Sure. Well, you know, I call myself a somatic sex and intimacy coach, and it wouldn't be inaccurate to also call me an empowerment coach mm-hmm. because those two things go hand in hand in how mm-hmm. I work. Um, I work with individuals and I work with couples. I work with men and I work with women. I work with all sexual orientations. And um, people come normally for one of two reasons they're in pain. And that pain may be physical, it may be emotional, but something isn't going the way they, they want it to go or they sense it can be going around their sexuality. So that can take forms of erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation in a man. It can be inability to orgasm, pain during sex for a woman. Relationally, it could be wanting more passion or connectedness, intimacy. You know, something is missing. And, and they need to figure that missing piece out for themselves to feel really whole and satisfied. And very often people have tried other routes to getting there before they come to me. Traditional therapy, other kinds of body work or energy work, um, and then they land at my doorstep. The other category are people who are already awakened to the path of pleasure in some way and are wanting to deepen and understand the value of having somebody there to serve as a guide, a mentor, a muse, 
um, to further that path along. And so I work with people who aren't necessarily coming at it from a place of something is wrong, but they are still on the awareness that things can be even better and they want to be supported in that way. Very cool. Um, we are going to need to hop onto a quick break before we dive deeper into this topic of accessing personal power through sexuality. But before we do that, will you please tell everybody where they can find out more about you and get Absolutely. in touch with you? Yeah, I, I'm very accessible online. My website is my name, Darshana Avila, D-A-R-S-H-A-N-A. A-V-I-L-A.com. And there's video content and blogs and easy contact forms so that you're welcome to get a hold of me there. And I offer free consultations for anyone who's interested in exploring this work further. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so stay tuned because we're going to get into some real juicy stuff after this break. So yeah, stick with us. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back. Let's go into some of these you know, maybe a little bit more uncomfortable areas. Like you you mentioned erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. What are some of the effects that, that, that you've seen that that has on a man's psyche and on his personal life experience? And what are some of the transformations that you've helped men work through? Yeah. Well, first, I think it's really important to share philosophically that in most people, whatever their gender, dysfunction is very often a functional response to dysfunctional circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's the small minority of people that have perhaps a medical reason why their body is not performing optimally in terms of sexual response and arousal that they might not actually physically be able to do that. For most of us, it's more mental and emotional. Mm -hmm. And that absolutely takes a toll on our psyches. So for men there is this notion that to be a good lover is to constantly have an erect penis and to be able to last long, long, long amounts of time and satisfy their partner. Or others are operating under a paradigm that says, yeah, it's really just about me getting off and, and I'm not all that concerned. Whatever the case may be, it's not necessarily creating the most satisfying conditions for sexuality. And whether people would language it this way or not, they're missing out on the depth and breadth of intimacy that is possible yeah. when you really learn how to be with your body, which is the precursor for fully being with the body of another. And so the transformations that I do 
that I help to facilitate for people really have everything to do with learning how to be in their bodies more fully. I work a lot with what I call what's called sensate focus. So how to feel what's going on in your body, which is something that very, very few of us are doing. We're born doing it, but it gets programmed out of us because we live in a world that prizes our mental capacity more so than our somatic or body-based experience. And so I spend a lot of time teaching people how to breathe and how to feel the sensations in their body and relate to their emotions to discern between all of those things and then to step more fully into connection to deepen intimacy with their own selves and then whomever they're choosing to relate with. And I, I love, I mean, there's a lot of different little anecdotes I could share, but one of my favorite stories is still a client that I worked with in the very early days of my practice and a lovely, lovely man who had been with his wife for close to 20 years and they were largely in a sexless marriage um, since the very early days of that connection. And he was convinced that he could no longer get an erection. And he came to see me and we had had a lengthy intake before that. And I really felt like I understood the depth of the emotional pain that he was carrying. He was wanting so badly to know himself through his erotic expression and, and understood on a certain level that he was like missing a piece of himself by not being able to access this. And within 45 minutes of our first session together, without any hands-on work, even though that is sometimes a facet of what I do, which is to say I wasn't doing hands-on genital work with him. There was touch involved. Um, But he had a full erection that sustained itself for the duration of, of our work together that day. And I just remember the look on his face of awakening to a possibility and to a sense of feeling empowered in his own self that had been lost to him literally for decades. Mm. We woke it back up inside of an hour. And while that may or may not be everyone's story, I do like to be realistic. It is speaking to what is absolutely possible. And, And I love that facet of this work that people get to rediscover parts of themselves that they'd perhaps given up hope on. Yeah, I think that is that is so huge. And I, I mean, most of my work is with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've definitely seen that. At what, something I've seen with women is that there's more, there's like a, almost like a dwindling of desire, like they couldn't mm-hmm. care less whether or not they have sex. And they're like, it, like, it doesn't really matter. But I think underneath that, there is also, there's an aspect of self, like you pointed out with this man that is that that is missing that we're not in in connection with. Yeah. I would love to hear you speak a little bit to that on the on the female side too. Sure. Yeah, I work with a lot of women, um, and that something that's very very common is this really limiting belief a lot of women are holding around their ability to orgasm, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't look and sound and even feel the way we're shown it ought to look and sound and feel thanks to our mainstream media. Women have this notion that, oh, I'm, I'm inorgasmic or it's really hard for me to orgasm. It takes me a long time. I can only do it by myself with a vibrator. You know, these are the things that I hear constantly from the women that I work with. And there is, as you said, like this sense of kind of like a defeated spirit that ends up happening after a while where mm-hmm like, okay, well, if, if this is how it is, I'm just resigned to that. Mm-hmm. And 
the big thing that's often missing is a field of permission for a woman and her body to just move at the pace that they naturally want to go at. And most women don't actually have a sense of what that is because so many connections in a in partnered interpersonal relating, you know, you're you're concerned about the other, you're trying to keep their pace, you're worried if it's working for them too. And it's very rare that women get the opportunity to just be with themselves. Yeah. And that's what I offer is a container with a broad scope of permission to go slow and me as a practitioner to fully be in service and attuning to their body's rhythms. And I can't tell you how many women access their orgasm so quickly and easily on my table. And and just the look of shock on their faces of like, did that really just happen? Because it, it, it is something that felt impossible to them. For many of them, it's felt impossible for years and years and years of experience. Um, I recently just worked with a woman who in a 17, had not had sex for 17 years up until a few months ago. She was in a completely sexless marriage and it was only in dissolving that and, and re- choosing to reawaken her sexuality with intention that she started to, to connect with her orgasm again. And she came to do an intensive with me and, and it was absolutely mind-blowing for her that she could be in those states of power and pleasure and passion in her body with such ease. And so it's really just uh, everything to do with a container that feels safe for, for one to unfold themselves and their natural rhythms. And that's, that's the, the secret sauce, as it were. <laughs> yeah, there's so much about just the simplicity of, like you mentioned at the beginning, breath and mm-hmm. relaxation. I mean, if, if we were to really distill it, and there is, there's a safety component because can we really relax and tune in if we don't feel safe? Right. Um, you know, I'm really hearing that that's, that's the benefit that your work offers to people. And I'd say, you know, that's true of, of any practitioner that's really worth their salt. They create a, they create a space that is, that is a safe container. Um, but it really, I mean, it, it's so simple and yet so complex and so powerful in the simplicity. Indeed. I, I agree with that. And there's a profundity from the simplicity yeah. um, that, I mean, as a practitioner, it never ceases to amaze me. I, I, I do not tire of the moments when I get to be, bear witness to somebody having these awakenings and to realizing that something that they long thought was impossible actually is completely within their reach. Safety is everything to do with it. Mm-hmm. The big big difference between choosing to work with a practitioner and attempting to explore this in the realms of interpersonal relating is what I was speaking to just a few moments ago that in the interpersonal dynamic, you can most people can't really fully, fully rest into trusting that the other person or people involved are 100% taking care of themselves. So there's a part of us that care takes. This is particularly true with women, although I don't want to exclusively gender it. Mm-hmm. And when I start working with somebody, things that I'm laying down as foundational elements to the container are a really strong emphasis on the fact that I am responsible for myself, for my boundaries, 
for my own comfort, that if I need to pause for my own sake, that I will do it. Um, I, I have a, a body with its own functions and rhythms. And if I need to use the bathroom or I need to take a sip of water or I need to adjust my posture in the way that I'm working with somebody so that I can be 100% present with them, that I will take care of those needs so that whomever I am serving in that moment doesn't have to worry. Mm-hmm. And that right there is something that we so rarely get to experience when we're relating on a more personal level. Um, we're, we're constantly tracking for another's need. So that's a really foundational element. And then there is the emphatic insistence that even though I am the instrument perhaps for facilitating work that we're doing, whomever I'm working with is, is driving the bus. <laughs> they're determining the pace. Their yes and their no are what we take direction from. There's no external pressure that's being added to the equation. And sadly, that's very rare for most people. It's not the way we grow up. It's not the way we, we are initiated into our sexuality. And thus, it can feel very disempowering or it can be like a false sense of empowerment that we get. And through working in these ways, it's accessing true power in our bodies through our pleasure, through our eroticism, which to me, I use that word as one and the same with our life force. Mm. Uh, Yes, Mm. it's sensual and yes, it's sexual, but that's not all that it is. It's creative, it's generative, it is the stuff of life. And so to be in connection with those energies in our own selves is the truest form of power that we can access. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I want to talk a little bit, you know, you mentioned something about sort of this false sense of power. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, A lot of us derive a sense of power from the reactions or the responses that we're getting from another. So the story might go, oh, well, if I get this really attractive person to like me and to partner with me, to have sex with me, I'm powerful. And it's everything to do with what we've projected onto this other and completely negates how we feel. And so we might feel like, yeah, I, I'm kind of riding high on the horse right now. I, I've got this person by my side and be having really miserable sexual encounters. We might feel like our, our spirit is not fully flourishing or the depths of our being aren't being honored fully in those containers. But when we switch the focus away from other toward self and really, really begin to have the the center point be what's going on in my internal experience, how present am I with my own rhythms, with my own desires, with my own potential to express and explore myself. The power that arises from there is just so much more enduring. Um, It's funny, I I, I just thinking in terms of of kind of qualities of it, there's a density to that power. It, It has matter. It has weight, whereas a power that we're deriving from a projection onto another is kind of this very, almost like ephemeral, like it can can go up in smoke at any moment. Um, But when we're really, really sourcing from within, there it, it has 
density to it. That's the word that keeps arising for me. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you feel in your body and in your heart, the distinction and it, it, that density helps to anchor you to your own center in yeah. a way that deriving power from another or from anything external simply can't do. Yes, absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm really hearing the, the, the internal movement and the, the importance of that. It's, it's, it's the difference between power over and power from within. Indeed. indeed. Um, so what, what is someone losing when they are in this false sense of power? Because I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. You know, it's yeah. kind of like the model that's been propped up of what powerful is. But yeah. by everything that we've just defined, that's a false sense of power. Yeah. So what's lost in that? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could write a book, I'm sure. We could. We could. <laughs> we could. I mean, there is, there is an epidemic, truly. It's of epidemic proportions that in our contemporary times, in the cultures that we live in, um, a, a sense of belonging is lost to most of us. Belonging to place, a belonging to earth and to the communities that we are a part of. And that has everything to do with the fact that we don't even, on a visceral level, understand that we belong to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And any relationship that we enter into with another human, with the natural world, is going to be inherently unstable when we are not fully at home in ourselves, we are not in our bodies and prioritizing our felt experience as the ultimate truth. And so what we learn to do you know, is to cut ourselves off from that. We're told that it's not safe, that it's not valued. We should listen more to what's happening outside of ourselves. We, we should be focused on our mental acuity more than the sensations of our bodies. But that's not what we're actually made to do. We're animals. We're not different from any other animal that follows the impulses and instincts of its body that goes by that intrinsic wisdom to know how to not only survive, but thrive in the world. And so these, the sense of loneliness, the sense of isolation, the sense of scarcity, the sense that everyone else has something that I don't have, that so many people suffer from these things. It's the coming home to our bodies and the really, really deepening intimacy with our own eroticism that is the remedy to that. It's never going to come from outside of ourselves. And we drive ourselves crazy attempting to make that so, and it just isn't. It's, it really is an inward journey. And then that inward journey is what's needed to support meaningful, deep, nourishing connections outside of ourselves with the natural world as well as with other humans, um, which is not to say that we aren't natural, but let me, it may be more accurate to say with human beings and other than human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, I I think this work is so important. Obviously, I think this work is so important. (laughs) We're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Um, And, and so powerful. And I, and I think so many people are, are sort of caught up in this idea that sex is just what we're told it is, you know, it's, it's a release. It's a way to 
have fun occasionally. For some people, it's fun. For some people, the way that they think it's supposed to be fun is not fun for the person they're with. Um, I just don't think we do it well in our culture. Um, it's so true. Really messy. Um, and I, you know, I'm sitting with this quandary. And I'd be so curious with your background to hear your take on it. Um, because it seems to me that the exposure that I've had where most people are really stepping into this work tends to be in a more counterculture environment. Mm -hmm. And and the place that, that I'm personally sitting and just really wanting to explore and expand is getting this work where I see it's really needed, which seems to be in more of the mainstream culture. And I would just be so curious to hear your thoughts on that and what your, what your experience has been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I absolutely would agree with you that the, this work, like all new edges, has started on the fringe, shall we say, but it is more and more coming into the mainstream fold. That has everything to do with somatics being embraced in psychology in bigger and bigger ways. So which is to say that the understanding that we have to focus on our bodies and to honor the experience and the wisdom of our bodies is, is starting to come more into the mainstream fold of psychology and of the medical world. And with that, somatically-based practices such as mine are finding their way to the forefront and people are finding their way to me that might not have found me in the past. So I have clients from all walks of life, I mean, really quite diverse. And yes, initially I, I was I was seeing that just because it was who knew about me, people who are a little perhaps more hippie-ish in their values, who, who are ex open to exploring spirituality and consciousness in different ways. Um, that was definitely the first wave. But now I work with doctors, I work with lawyers, I work with tech professionals, um, I, I, I work with people uh, who are in very, very, let's say, typically mainstream lives. But these people, just like all of us, are struggling in their intimacy. And so the, the thing that gets them in the door might sound a little bit different from somebody who's taking this on as, let's say, a spiritual growth path. But the work that we're doing is the same. And, and why I have chosen the path that I've chosen, the different trainings and certifications that I've done, and the way that I present my work is everything to do with bringing to the forefront the professionalism that I hold this work with, mm -hmm. and really to establish credibility. There are because it's an, let's quote unquote, it's unregulated. You know, right. there, there, there is no governing body the way other medical professionals, for example, or therapists have a governing body and, and certain um, professional parameters that they have to adhere to. I have intentionally trained in modalities that do have a professional code of ethics that I'm bound to. Um, that's as a sexological body worker, as a certified somatica practitioner, which are two modalities that I work with. And it's of the utmost importance to me that the people that I'm serving really, when they step into this work, that they understand that they are entering into a professional relationship. Anytime you're dealing in the realms of sexuality, um, because of the way our culture has treated that, mm -hmm. there is the possibility of abuse. 
and I hear stories about it all the time yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and propagated at the hands of quote unquote practitioners. Yeah. So, you know, I've made it my mission and I really would encourage anybody considering this work to be very, very discerning that whomever they are considering taking on as a practitioner be entirely transparent about their training, about their qualifications, Mm -hmm. that they have a contract or an agreement that is being signed at the start that outlines the legalities and the technicalities of working together, that any practitioner with their salt should be more than happy to answer all the questions you have up front before you walk in the door, understanding the sensitive nature of this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a baseline. and. It amazes me, though, how many people are entering into arrangements that don't have that as a baseline. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I've heard some of those stories too, and it's 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 very sad to me because it it not only discredits the work, but you know, people are coming with some of their deepest traumas and in being that further area, traumatized. And being further traumatized, and it's just it's stuff like that makes me really. Yeah, it it infuriates me to no end and it saddens me. And that is why, you know, kind of looping back to something I mentioned at the start, having a trauma-informed practice is essential for any practitioner and not a lot of practitioners do. Um, I I most recently trained in a modality called neuroaffective touch that is wholly focused on developmental and relational trauma. There are other trainings out there, for example, somatic experiencing and trauma release exercises, other, known as TRE, other modalities that deal with what we call more shock trauma that, that result from you know, a, a, perhaps a violent or, or, or accidental incident that lives on as trauma in the body. All of us have trauma, some way, shape, or form. It's in us. There, it, practically no one gets away unscathed. And so... Any practitioner that's working in this realm needs to know how to meet and hold somebody in their trauma or else they have no business practicing. That's, that's my personal opinion. And so I, I really focus a lot on constantly growing my skillfulness in how to be with people in that material because that's where we are yearning to be met and yearning to be held and guided into our wholeness and that is not something we can do alone. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Comes back to that where, where two or more are gathered. That's where the healing takes place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Um, Darshana, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it's been beautifully informative. We've taken some really interesting twists and turns within it. Uh, before we sign off, is there anything else that you would want to share with our listeners? Mm. Well, I just want to appreciate you, Tatiana, and the chance to mm. come and have this conversation. Um, I, I'm with you in wanting this work to be more accessible to people. And so I, I just want to say that anybody out there listening, um, if you think even just a slight bit of this might be for you, check it out. Whether it's me or another practitioner, um, given that I'm based in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, I also do have a satellite office in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, I'm not everywhere, but I'm happy to make referrals if there are people listening in places that I don't work. I also work virtually. 
And whether it's me or somebody else, I, I encourage those listening to just see what might be available to them in these realms. You know, if you're, you're sitting here and feeling like, wow, this could be the thing I need, explore mm-hmm. it. And, and don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for help and guidance along the way. Um, as we were just saying, this is, this is not a job done alone. It might be an inside job ultimately, but having guidance and support is so essential and it's here. It's available. Uh, sometimes you just have to know where to look. And now those of you listening know a little bit more and yeah. that delights me till no end because I want people to feel empowered in that way to know the resources and the choices that are available for them. Yeah. I will say that's been one of like the most fun things for me in doing this show is, is seeing how many of us there are out there doing this work and yeah. doing it in a, in a way with a lot of integrity. Um, and it pleases my heart to know when to know that. Um, because just like we can't do this work alone when we're doing it in our own little inner sphere as a collective, we can't, you know, one practitioner isn't going to save the world, right? We got we to gotta all, we need, we need all hands on deck right now. Indeed, so. indeed. Yeah. So thanks for giving this platform. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure and, and I'm grateful for having been given this platform. So it's all, all goodness, all goodness <laughs> shared goes around and, and the whole world is a happy, shiny place for it. Love it. All right. So we've been talking with Darshana Avila. You can find her again at darshanaavila.com. Please check her out. She is, a, is very masterful at what she does. And to our listeners, I love you so much. Thank you for being with us. And until next time. Go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.